Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. When God's people give in to temptation, sin, and corruption... God in His righteousness surely must judge and discipline. Of course, as Christians, He also has a way to forgive us and lead us back into His loving presence. But ultimately, the solution for our continual failures lies not in renewed commitment and more earnest and sincere effort. Rather, we need to be fired, terminated, and eventually replaced. We all desperately need to see that God's solution for us is to be replaced. Here with us to fellowship more about God's economy is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome once again to our broadcast. I'm happy to be here to fellowship further concerning God's economy revealed in the book of Isaiah. Well, Ron, today we come to a portion and we have skipped over roughly 11 chapters in Isaiah as we get to this message. These 11 chapters, and that's chapter 13 through 23, deal primarily with God's judgment. They also reveal a pretty bleak situation among God's people and the surrounding unbelieving nations. And at times, it's hard to tell his people from the heathens in these surrounding nations, isn't it? Unfortunately, this is often the case. To the extent to which God's people identify themselves with the unbelievers and live the same as unbelievers, to that extent, God's judgment is necessary not to destroy but to restore. God, for the sake of his holiness and the sake of his glory, and based upon his righteousness, must come in to judge that which does not correspond to him. He also judges his people in order to redeem them and to recover them. Run in our first section today, rather than focus on this long section of judgment, we're instead going to review some of the real highlights from the first 12 chapters of Isaiah. Let's join Witness Lee. What is hidden, concealed in Isaiah's prophecy of the first 23 chapters? Isaiah is very good in the forgiveness of sin. God says, though your sin might be like scarlet, I'll wash it white as snow. Then Isaiah also tells us God forgives us sin. But I didn't see the economy of God that is hidden in Isaiah's prophecy. In chapter 7, verse 14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and she will call his name Emmanuel. 
I knew it was quoted in Matthew chapter 1, but I didn't see that this sign of a virgin conceiving and bearing a child, I didn't see how much this sign covers eternity. The Bible of 66 books consummate just in one thing, New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is just the consummation of the sign in Isaiah 7, 14. And what will be the New Jerusalem? That is just totality of God being with us. Ron, let's pick up these three outstanding items that Witness Lee mentioned from the first 12 chapters. And first and foremost, of course, is forgiveness of sins. Then he mentioned the virgin bringing forth a son. And finally, the marvelous experience of Christ by drawing living water out of the springs of salvation. These all sound pretty New Testament, don't they, Ron? They sound New Testament, and they are New Testament. In a very real sense, Isaiah is a prophetic book that is a declaration of the gospel of grace, the gospel of God's salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who died a vicarious death on the cross and was resurrected bodily from the dead and ascended to become the Lord of all. It's not unusual that even in Acts 8, one of the early evangelists would preach the gospel from Isaiah 53. This is very much a revelation of the gospel unveiled in the New Testament. The forgiveness of sins. How marvelous that we're told in Matthew 1 that the God-man would be named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And in Luke 24, this resurrected God-man commanded us to preach the forgiveness of sins in his name. And surely in the New Testament, we have the reality and fulfillment of the prophecy and sign of a virgin bringing forth a son. We need to believe into Christ, the Son of God, in order to have the eternal life that's embodied in him. He himself is our salvation. And then concerning the experience of Christ by drawing living water out of the springs of salvation, this also is a New Testament reality. In John 4, we have a word concerning living water. In John 7, we have a word concerning the rivers of living water. So surely, forgiveness, the rivers of living water, and the focal point, Christ, the eternal Son of God, the God-man incarnate, for our salvation. This is all part of the good news. No wonder the prophet could say, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach such a gospel, such a good news. We cherish these aspects of the gospel revealed in Isaiah, and we would emphasize them again and again, that all those who hear would respond in faith and enjoy the forgiveness of sins experience the outflow of living water, and focus their attention on the wonderful one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, Ron, we have these marvelous highlight points of experience and revelation of Christ in the first 12 chapters. And then, as we've mentioned, the coming 11 chapters uh, 
are, are much more focused on a darker side of things. And though we're not going to go through them blow by blow, Witness Lee certainly had much to say in this coming section. We're going to see his perspective on these 11 chapters and a very interesting and profound point of view. Let's join him now. In this portion, from the degradation of God's people to God himself as our salvation. The very content is the all-inclusive Christ. That many items all are in this portion. If Isaiah only prophesied this much, his book might be very good. Then why, after these 12 chapters, Isaiah gives us another 11 chapters? In these 11 chapters, the Lord did what? The judgment. Not only the nations, even Jerusalem. And according to the way of writing, even Jerusalem was counted among the nations. In this section, God feared everybody. All the kings were raised up by him, including Nebuchadnezzar. All the kings were raised up by him. He assigned them. He hired them. And eventually, he fired everybody. He hired Nebuchadnezzar. He hired all the kings of all the nations. Eventually, he fired everyone. After the hiring and the firing, there is the replacing. Emmanuel, Christ. Ron, these 11 chapters do show Jehovah's judgment for certain. But Witness Lee's interpretation, I thought, was fascinating. He said that these chapters point out that really God is firing everyone. This is an unusual expression, I think, Ron, to be attached to God's judgment. What does he mean here? This particular interpretation of these verses is related to and dependent upon understanding Isaiah in the light of God's New Testament economy. If we merely read Isaiah as a book of history or as a book of prophecy related to objective events, we will not see the need for this perspective. But if we, as we are, undertake a life study, which in essence is a God's economy study focused on the all-inclusive Christ, we will appreciate this matter of judgment being firing. When an employee is not performing well, and that employee is fired, what this leads to then is a replacement. So judgment in light of God's economy, especially with respect to God's people, is a firing. There is something here replacing God and replacing Christ. There is something here not according to God's economy. So, through the application of the cross of Christ, God judges that and fires that. Now, in the case of the believers, we are not fired in the sense of being annihilated, of being expelled. Rather, we are fired from the position of doing what only Christ can do and of being what only Christ can be. We need to understand this concept of judgment as a firing leading to replacement in light of Galatians 2.20. Paul realized that he had been fired. He said, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. That's the firing. I have been crucified. I no longer live. But it's not over. Christ lives in me. And then Paul goes on to say, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what's going on here? Paul says he lives no longer. Then he goes on to say, I live. But he has also said, Christ lives. And now I live, but I live in faith of the Son of God. If this were merely an expelling of the God-created person, Paul would be no more, we would be no more, we would be exchanged for Christ. But God's concept is to judge in the sense of firing, to remove that which is incompatible with God's economy, and by so doing, to redeem, restore, and uplift through his salvation— the person originally created by God, who now becomes a vessel to be filled with Christ and to contain Christ. So this fired person now becomes a regenerated person with Christ living in that one. There is a great light here that in God's economy, everyone and everything that is not Christ must be fired through judgment. But God's chosen people, having been fired through judgment, are not altogether removed. Rather, they are brought back to the Lord and now allow Christ to come into them and live in them and be expressed through them. This is part of the light and actually part of the potential for our experience conveyed in this notion of firing. Ron, I was talking with a uh, an acquaintance the other day, and he asked me about the Old Testament. He said, I've been reading the Old Testament, and there's so much negative. It's very hard for me to get through these books. He's, and it reminded me of just what you're now talking about. This is not just a little twist that Witness Lee has added. This is a fundamental revelation of how God's economy is conveyed in the Old Testament, isn't it? It is. We need to realize that the focus of the Old Testament is the all-inclusive Christ, that God's people fail, they rebel, they turn from God. So there needs to be judgment on that ungodly living. This judgment really implies the application of the cross, which was the universal judgment of God and termination by God of the old creation. As far as God's chosen people are concerned, judgment is for restoration. Judgment brings us to Christ. Many of us can testify of this in our experience where we had some failure and God in his righteousness disciplines us and something is fired in our being. But then what happens? By the Lord's mercy and grace, we return to him, we open to him, and we're brought more to Christ. And more of Christ is revealed to us, more of Christ is imparted to us, and the issue of that judgment is that Christ is brought in. 
So we need to understand the judging portions in relation to God's purpose to usher in the all-inclusive Christ. And experientially, he can be ushered in only through a judgment that is a firing which brings in Christ as the universal, all-inclusive replacement. Uh, Ron, it's obvious that you have some burden and some passion and feeling on this point, and that is also reflected in our brother's sharing from 1990. We're going to see that this was uh, a deep and enduring burden in him as he unlocked and opened up the book of Isaiah. Let's go back for our final section today. So Christ is unveiled as a father, as a steward, as a glory, and eventually as a pig, a nail that was driven strongly into the wall that hangs all the things belong to God. God's glory, God's people, God's house, and all the utensils, vessels for God's people to enjoy God, including the bowls and jars. In other words, God not only fired the kings, not only fired his steward, even he fired all the bulls, jars. That means, if you know the New Testament, you could see, whoever is not Christ, God fares. Not I, but Christ. This is the firing and the replacing. Isaiah shows us all God's chastisements, all God's judgments are just a firing. First, they got appointed. Eventually, they got proved that they are not qualified. They made mistakes. So God came in to fire them all. This is a picture. A picture is always better than thousand words. This means what? Outside of God's house and inside of God's house, everything should be fired and replaced by Christ. God fired you on the cross. God created me. That means God hired me. Eventually, God changed the mind to put me on the cross. So he fired me. I have been crucified with Christ. Now it's no more I, but Christ that lifts me. Isaiah shows us God fires everybody, and he replaces everybody with Christ. All the Jews should be fired. All the Christians should be fired. After this firing and this replacing, now you will have, firstly, restoration for the kingdom. Secondly, new heaven, new earth for the new Jerusalem. That will be the real church life with all the saints fired and replaced with Christ. This will make Everything in the church, Christ, Christ, Christ. This is a big hidden principle. The key to open these 11 chapters, chapter 13 to chapter 23, the key to open these 11 chapters is the firing of us and the replacing of Christ. You are not the one. Who has the right to say yes or no? This is submission. God would say, in the universe, who is the head? You or me? And only God can say this. 
Ron, this should definitely capture our attention, I think. As marvelous as these positive items of Christ and the Christian experience are that were unveiled in the first section of Isaiah, it's possible to see and even enjoy these items, yet miss the revelation of God's economy in this book. Spend a bit more time, if you would, and help all of us see that the real revelation of God's economy comes after we've been fired and ultimately replaced. It's possible to see and enjoy certain items, yet miss the revelation of God's economy. This possibility is virtually a universal actuality. People read the Bible, loving the Lord, searching the Scriptures, with little and actually no realization of God's economy. And what is important for us to see here is that even certain very positive things, necessary things, the rudiments of the gospel may occupy our attention in such a way that our preoccupation keeps us from seeing God's economy. The forgiveness of sins is for God's economy. Salvation and the enjoyment of the living water out of the springs of salvation are for God's economy. Christ as the one born of a virgin to be the God-man is for God's economy. Many faithful, earnest, fundamental, evangelical preachers of the gospel declare the good news of the forgiveness of sins and of eternal life in Christ Jesus. But these dear ones may not see the point of it all. How does this relate to God's eternal purpose, to the desire of God's heart, to God's perfect will, to God's eternal economy? So, once we have sounded out this, what I believe is a needed word, we can respond to your request Once we have recognized that we are deserving of the righteous judgment of God, and once we realize that Christ, out of love, died on the cross not only for our sins, but also for us, we are prepared to accept God's will that we be fired, that we should stop trying to be good fellows, we should stop trying to please God, we should stop trying to work for God, this old man who is trying to please God was fired when Christ was crucified. Once we accept the firing of the self, of the natural person, of the old creation, it will gradually begin to dawn on us that God wants Christ to be everything to us. We should not try to love. Christ is love. We should not try to be patient. Christ is patience. Christ is everything. Christ has been appointed and anointed by God to do everything. What we need is the real daily experience of Galatians 2.20. We need a realization, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. That is, I have been fired. But 
I have not been expelled, because now Christ lives in me, and I live by his faith. This means Christ is replacing me in a marvelous organic union with him through faith. We read in the New Testament in Colossians 3 that Christ is all and in all. We would appeal to our dear brothers and sisters in the Lord to consider this question. When and where will Christ be all and in all? When and where will there be a group of believers on the earth who are willing to be fired by the application of the cross and to be replaced by the all-inclusive Christ in the sense that Christ now lives in them and they live in oneness with him. When God has a group of people like this, there will be on the earth the corporate expression of the all-inclusive Christ. This is the reality of the body of Christ. This is the reality and practicality of the kingdom of God. This will make the way for the bride to be prepared. This will bring the Lord back, and eventually this will consummate the new Jerusalem. This is not a small thing that we're talking about. Yes, we are interpreting the Bible in the light of God's economy, but even this interpretation in the light of God's economy is for God's economy to have Christ be our centrality, our universality, and everything in us, to us, with us, through us, and for us, that the desire of God's heart to have a corporate expression of his Son will be fulfilled. This is at least part of the fire that burns in the heart of God, and this at least is part of the fire that burns in this ministry as we are attempting and relying on the grace of God to convey with some earnestness the deep desire in God's heart as unveiled in his word to have a people on the earth for whom Christ is everything. Ron, in the book of Hebrews, we're exhorted to get beyond the rudimentary, elementary things and onto the solid food. I think we've had solid food today. Thank you for your fellowship. You're welcome. This concludes a life study program from the book of Isaiah and another life study message that we have included in volume number one of the life study of Isaiah, uh, a marvelous unveiling. I cannot add strongly enough that this is a vital realization and revelation of God's economy in Scripture, Old and New Testament. We surely hope that you'll take advantage of the offer to get this life study message. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, 
but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.